The census is something most people don't think about until they get a census form or perhaps meet a census worker in person. But taking a census of those living in the United States is one of the most important things the government does. Census data influences the creation of voting districts, determines how many members of the House of Representatives a state sends to Congress, and can impact the types and how much funding communities receive for various projects. Helping journalists communicate to their audiences the importance of the census to American life is one of the goals of a new project, and that's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me in the studio are regular panelists, John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former Chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. Our guests today are Mark Hansen, Director of the Brown and Institute for Media Innovation at Columbia University's School of Journalism, and Mike Anony, an associate professor in the Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism at the University of Southern California. The two are working on a new project, News Counts, which aims to help create, quote, a robust national conversation about the serious and imminent challenges facing the 2020 census, end quote. Mark and Mike, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Rosemary. Great to be here. Could you guys just talk a little bit about how the project came about in the first place? That's a good question. Um, well, I, you know, I can tell you um, personally, um, I've been involved in the census for a while. I did some work with the census in the 1990 adjustment case um, and uh, back when I was in graduate school. And uh, as the census sort of came around and started to be a thing in the news, I, I, I saw more and more a need for um, for sort of responsible reporting around, around why the census is important. Um, I, I can't remember how Mike and I, a, friend, a mutual friend of ours brought us together because we both had an interest in the census. And Mike, your interest? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I, my, uh, my, my geeky background story is that I, so I'm Canadian. I'll put that on the table. <laughs> but, um, it's okay. My, uh, I, I actually tried to volunteer for the census, uh, I think in like 2000 when I was a student and uh, was refused because I was Canadian. But I've been fascinated by the census for a very, very long time. Um, more just sort of as a yeah, as a social phenomenon, as sort of a scientific endeavor, and then now as a journalism professor, um, I think I was sort of motivated by this idea that journalists um, rely on the census a lot. They rely on the idea of the census, on the data of the census, but they don't necessarily know that. And mm -hmm. that there's a lot of, especially um, you know, as local journalism has become sort of decimated, and you know, newsrooms have shrunk, and all these kinds of things. Um, that it was going to become even more important this time around for journalists to sort of fight for the power of the census and figure out what it meant for them to use it. So I was sort of motivated to try to like help journalists do their role um, as storytellers with census data. Can you tell us just a little bit about what the News Count network is or what you hope it will be? Yeah, we, we started with the idea that, that um, as, as Mike said, that the, the you know, local newsrooms are having a, a tough time of it and that it's more than likely a typical newsroom doesn't have any institutional memory about what happened last time there was a census um, to either sort of track where their community is in terms of 
of, you know, have people, been, you know, enumerators been hired, that kind of thing. Um, and, and also perhaps not really realizing the extent to which the census is important um, to their local government. Um, I, the statistic keeps moving around, but I've heard anywhere between six and eight hundred billion dollars come back to the, the local communities based on, on census counts. Um, and so, you know, our thought was that we could help build up some of that expertise by bringing in um, uh, academics, uh, demographers, social scientists, statisticians, computer scientists, data scientists, um, bring them into the newsroom or in dialogue with the newsroom and perhaps uh, sort of community uh, groups to, to, for sort of pitch sessions, if you will, to try to come up with good stories and help, help, help find good stories and then also um, help with the technical lift to tell those good stories. Um, and so the network was an attempt to cross a, a number of different disciplines to bring, um, to bring good journalism to, uh, to, to the public so they understand the stakes that are behind the census, especially you know, once the citizenship question appears. Mm -hmm. Okay, one of my, as a journalism professor, um, one of my favorite quotes that uh, John and Rosemary have heard me use a lot is the job of a good journalist is to make the significant interesting. That's from Bill Kovich and Tom Rosensteel and their book, The Elements of Journalism. So how are you going to make this interesting? Uh, is, we know it's significant. You also mentioned the problem, the news deserts we have. I mean, we're kind of in one right here in southwestern Ohio right now. This is a really important story. Um, I think building kind of a network, I mean, getting kind of local, local news outlets interested in this is going to be a particular challenge, especially in, in newsrooms where the staffs are decimated. So have you thought... Have you thought about that particular problem? I know nationally, I think there's going to be a lot of stories about this, and there already have been in the Times and the Post. Um, but uh, this is a story that's going to affect people locally in their regions, and those newspapers need to be doing that. So uh, tell me a little bit about that challenge. Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I think one of the it's one of the guiding principles is really is that the local newsrooms know their communities best. So I don't think you know Mark or I or this network would ever um, sort of try to top down say here's what the stories are, here's what they should be, but more to offer um, some starting points for local journalists. Because I think when we've when we've spoken with folks in local newsrooms, you know they know intuitively the importance of the census and they know it but they don't necessarily have concrete examples so one is sort of setting up a conversation among local newsrooms where people and some journalists have already told us this where they'll say you know oh yeah i did a project about about you know library funding or something like that and then that acts as as a bit of a spur to some of the the other folks as a it's sort of a comparative approach where local newsrooms can get ideas uh from each other so that's sort of one thread and the other is the the pop centers and the local demographers and the social scientists who are who are also in these local communities who are not not journalists per se but are so familiar with the data infrastructures and sort of have a lot of um, you know almost sort of story prototypes already because they've been working with the data and the process for so long that I think a lot of the um, 
sort of motivations and ideas and story frameworks and leads in a way could come from them, from demographers and the pop center folks who you know, haven't been journalists per se, but have a lot of ideas about what the important stories uh, are. And I think, you know, if I can add, the, the um, ultimately the census story, I mean, there, there, are, there are obviously sort of national policy level questions, but ultimately the census story is a local story mm -hmm. um, and right. that it will vary tremendously from place to place. Um, and, you know, you're seeing with this census, you're seeing um, the involvement of, of uh, civil society groups, you know, who are um, helping their you know, their constituents understand the importance of the census. I mean, these groups are involved probably like never before. Um, and I think, um, you know, to help, to help bring in, as Mike mentioned, demographers or social scientists, you know, people who have, uh, um, and, and local governments who have sort of an understanding of, of what it means locally to be counted and, and what, where that count has impacted um, the community, um, I think I think that's that, that's going to sort of the sum of all those parts is going to be a truly amazing story. But it's going to be told ultimately locally and by the very the specificity of, of local community. I find this really cool. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this, the idea of having a, a particular framework and lead that might be suggested. I, it sounds like that, that there could be even even story templates that are developed that, that could be locally developed, locally expanded and fleshed out. Do you have particular examples of some of the types of, of uh, story frameworks or leads that you, you have uh, thought of initially? Yeah, well, no, the, for me, so one of the big buckets is uh, sort of the economic development set of stories. So mm -hmm. the census data's relationship to economic development. So we, um, you know, speak very specifically, you know, in Los Angeles, there's a lot of conversations around, you know, gentrification, for instance, and the, di the dynamics, the economic dynamics of gentrification. So I think something, you know, like gentrification, which is actually something that's happening in a lot of, you know, mid and larger cities around the U.S., has uh, it has a cultural component, it has a demographic component, it has an economic development component. Um, but I would, for me, the bucket or the sort of the category of gentrification is one that I think is really interesting um, to think about how could census data inform that kind of storytelling. And that's mm -hmm. and that actually links to uh, you know a, a thing where what I would not want this this network to be doing is trying to create you know brand new from scratch. Um, themes or stories that these newsrooms and, and local journalists had never really thought about. Ideally, I think we would say, let's look at what you're already doing. Think about what you're already doing. Don't try to reinvent yourself as an expert in some brand new area, but think about how uh, both the census data and the relationships to the local demographers could enhance or could help the storytelling and the reporting that you're already doing. So gentrification is one of those examples that sort of readily comes to mind for me um, because it's such a complex phenomenon and there's a data component and a local relations component um, that, that's already happening. Right? The story of gentrification is already being told um, in a lot of cities across the US and has these local flavors that Mark has been talking about. And I think you know, for me, the uh, a story that I've been 
spending some time with the population division in New York City, and and they're concerned with things you know at the local level um, like disaster preparedness, right? So hurricane rolls through or something like that, right? And being able to have an accurate count of where people over the age of 70 are along the coast or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It, it, it's sort of hard. It's sort of hard to. Um, to these stories, once you start to unpack them, just come so easily because it's hard to it's hard to find an aspect of our of our lives that doesn't require that kind of base map of the census to understand where people are living. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking with Mark Hansen and Mike Anony about a new project they are helping launch called News Counts. I use census data a lot in a multimedia class I uh, teach, um, where I have students dig around in the data and then create an infographic from it when I'm trying to teach them how to think about infographics. Um, but what I often see my students do is sort of struggle to find the story in the data because there is so much data um, in, in census material. How? What advice would you have for journalists to sort of not become overwhelmed by the data? And how would you see this network sort of helping journalists um, move through this material? You know, I so so I um, so I teach data journalism at Columbia or com the computational journalism classes, and I, I try to avoid um, the here's a big data set, find a story in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. For exactly the effect that you're describing, people get lost pretty quickly. Um, uh, it it, uh, it, it, it you, you almost want to teach them the flip, which is I have a I, there's an issue that I'm interested in, um, whether it was like disaster preparedness I, I mentioned before, or or my gentrification, or um, uh, uh, you know, locally in New York, there was discussion around closing Rikers, for example. Yeah, right? yeah. You have a particular problem that you'd like to address. What data sets are there to, to assemble? And then that guides your path mm -hmm. through that data set. It can be very difficult, um, you know, even for you know, in a statistics class, just to say, here's a data set, now go yeah. find something. Yeah. Right, right. I, I totally agree with that. And I would add, I, so I teach a class on the history of journalism and sort of history of US news from you know kind of revolutionary war period forward and one of the things I have students do with uh, data sets is actually having sort of do a historical comparison kind of approach where oh, I say well let's let's go look into the archives um, and we you know not not quite randomly in a way but I say um, so I, I have students do one which is um, uh, words and depictions um, of women in different time periods in newspapers. And we look at how even from sort of titles that are used or how women have been used for sources or not appearing in news sites, uh, newspapers in different time periods. So we'll use something like, you know, let's look at, at how people have been depicted in the news over time. Um, and then that becomes a thread that we can follow. And then I say, okay, well, let's go try to use data from you know a census in a different time period, and let's go try to use data uh, from the census today. How have the data in the census shifted, and where, where or why might those shifts have happened, and how are those shifts represented in news? So I sort of take a historical approach, mm -hmm. and often students you know are really. Um, they get jazzed pretty quickly about um, these historical questions because it lets them, you know, explore different kinds of folk theories about well, why might shifts have made have changed and um, where did those shifts come from? You know, it's interesting. I um, in one of my classes, a student had picked up a, a topic. He was interested in gentrification, um, 
And you know, when a beginning when a beginning data student picks that up, you, you kind of go, uh oh. <laughs> but uh, because as Mike has indicated, right, there's a that's a rich topic, and so there's you're going to want like the, the bigger the you know it's the, it's the white whale of statistics, right? The curse of dimensionality, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but but so like what what he had done was to to use the census to find. Um, neighborhoods in New York City where the median income had gone up significantly um, in the last 10 years or so, and then use the Bureau of Labor Statistics to figure out what, um, in those neighborhoods, how had um, uh, how had uh, businesses changed? Mm -hmm. So what was the change over in makeable businesses? And then married it all with Google Street View, which in, in, which in New York is, is available back to 2005. So he could go back you know, 10 years and, and, um, and see, uh, and actually see the change on the street of what, of what had happened. Right. Cause some of these gentrification questions, when you come in midway, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you don't know what's happened before. So, so there was a kind of nice melding of data, but, but, but it, it, you know, again, started with that, that base map of, of the census and, right. and, you know, what, what, what's, what's there on the ground. So one of the th one of the things that's interesting to me, we had uh, John Thompson on in 2017, about a month I think before he resigned. He was to direct this census, and I think he directed the census in 2000. Is that right? I think he did. Um, one of the things that he told us in that in our podcast with him was the was the 40 percent of of people who don't self-respond and the challenges of getting people to respond to this. Partly, you know, some are just suspicious of government. But I'm thinking, too, we have the challenge of this is going to be uh, the first time we've done online responses. And these are stories to me, you know, the first of all, the people that feel like the census is not important, so they don't respond uh, initially. Um, so have you thought much about this and how, I mean, I think this is one of the things we're worried about, right? Yeah, especially, um, you know, somebody who's living in Los Angeles, um, there's uh, you know, a large undocumented community that's in Los Angeles and there's, that's, you know, right in my neighborhood, that's a really strong phenomenon. And I think you're right. And that's, that's where the delicacy for me of the local journalists who know the local communities really well is powerful because you're, you're right. The, the absence of the answering of the census is a story in itself, but it's a story that needs to be told in a way that is super respectful and careful of the precarity of the people who are even outing themselves as people who have not answered the census or how, so how to, how to report on that absence, um, and I think that's a perfect marriage of looking at the meaning, the statistical meaning of those absences in the data set, but then doing the the interviews and the sort of the more ethnographic, you know, close observation that happens that that truly only happens when you're a journalist who has a relationship with your local community. Um, I mean, at a neighborhood level, even like these are people that you see every day. Um, that's the only way that you can sort of have the trust to be able to tell the story of of that absence mm -hmm. it's a, so it's a yeah in los angeles and a lot of other cities not just la but it's a you know it's a huge um uh really delicate delicate thing to try to report on mm -hmm. right, i think part of our, our project is to make it clear to communities you know for for the for members of the community who view this as a as a um, 
as a choice, even though it's sort of legally mandated, but right. they see it as a choice that, that there is that that the trade-offs that are being made when they make that choice mm-hmm. right that by not by not filling in the census appropriately all these other things are being tagged to your presence in this community right all these different these programs are being funded in a certain way um because of counts that are happening at this at this you know mm-hmm. at, at the local area so you know there's there are consequences um locally if if, if the count is is um you know, if, if there's an undercount of a particular group. And so, you know, I think that's why you see so much civil society coming up to try to, bring, to make sure that communities understand that things are safe, that, um, you know, that, that, um, that, filling out, that, that filling out the census is an important act. And I think bringing journalism into that discussion um, is critical because, you know, we have a role that is sort of unique in society. Um, and um, can can really help people understand the, that kind of trade-off they're making. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me that a lot of times that, that controversy is what drives people to read stories about the census. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think that, you know, when you talk about kind of all the money that comes back to communities, that's clearly the, you know, the, a, a critical element of the impact of the census or representation or other kinds of allocations. But it seems that when, when you see the census getting a lot of attention, it tends to be because of things like, well, you know, you mentioned the, the 1990 adjustment and some of the, the controversy that seemed to be associated with that for many groups. And then most recently, some of the discussions of the citizenship questions on the on the most recent census. So, so how do you how do you balance kind of the 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 eyeballs being attracted to controversy stories associated with the census with some of these these deeper impact importance of the census questions? I, I think the way I, way I would think about that is two ways. One is to recognize that there's sort of a national level controversy story that uh, some people some audiences might not be distinguishing from sort of the local mm. phenomena that's going on so that if you're reading or watching you know the the big you know central tv news mostly coming from sort of east coast you know large media organizations then you might have one image of of this of the controversies for instance the ones that you described um but for a lot of people i think on a local level those controversies yes they're important and they're they're significant and they're they're meaningful but they play out really differently. And I think articulating the trade-offs like Mark was talking about of sort of like, yes, if you see this as a choice, then understand that choice has consequences. Um, sort of separating this national narrative, which I, I agree, you know, feeds on controversy and feeds on sort of this this drama of the of the question. Um, separating those from the local dynamics, I think, is really mm. uh, is really key. And that's what we see, you know, with local news audiences are really different than the ones that are mm-hmm. you know plugged into right. the national news audiences mm-hmm. yes. so paying attention to it and keeping those people in mind as mm-hmm. your as your primary audience is the best you know the other thing is that the, some of these national controversies uh whether it's adjustment or maybe you know the new moves around differential privacy um those are also i mean it's a hard thing to count <laughs> to count everyone in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, and and so ultimately, there are there are technical questions that arise, mathematical questions that arise, 
And I think, you know, even at a national level, and this is a bit outside the scope of the, of the, of the project, I apologize, but even at a national level, there's something that we as statisticians um, should be doing to help the public understand how these, um, these mathematical concepts are impacting what is, what on the face of it would seem so easy by just using the word count, mm -hmm. right? You just yeah. walk around and go one, two, three, but in fact, it's really, really hard. And there are all these sort of implications. and how do we make that understandable? So what does success look like for news counts uh, as you guys are thinking about sort of outcomes? For me, so I think, I think success would have a few different dimensions to it. One would just be um, sort of helping this I think of it almost as a community that's like just below the surface, that's almost information that just needs a little bit of help or infrastructure to sort of to nudge itself over. So one would be to see stories uh, emerging from collaborations among mm -hmm. local journalists. So that would be a huge thing for me. Is if I could, if I could see local journalists in small markets who would not necessarily have had the infrastructure or the power or the time or resources to do that reporting on their own if they partnered with or connected with one or two other newsrooms mm -hmm. and then together did a story uh, that would be that would be huge i think that would be great um the the other dimension i think about it is the relationship with the local social scientists and demographers mm -hmm. in their communities so that it's less about um, cross relationships among journalists, but it's more about looking within and around your own community and reminding yourself maybe or discovering new relationships mm -hmm. that you didn't know you had with your social scientists. Um, and then the third dimension for me that comes about is um, a network that lasts beyond the census mm -hmm. so that it's something yeah. that um, doesn't just get stood up for this one particular, you know, really challenging census. Um, but that journalists and demographers and social scientists take it on for themselves and say, oh, we've built something here that could could apply to a whole other area that we haven't even thought of for. It's just a set of relationships. So for the, those are sort of, for me, three mm -hmm. dimensions of success that I would I would love to see happen. I, I, for me, the, the lingering, I mean, obviously getting a good count, mm -hmm. that's success, right? <laughs> Making sure that we, we don't we don't mess this up because, you know, we live with the president for four years. We live with the census for ten, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like, so we get we get a we get the, a clean count um, would be an, an obvious outcome. But then, as, as Mike was saying, leaving behind these relationships so that a newsroom that has never, um, you know, that had been involved now with a computer science or statistics group um, to tell a census story. Um, maybe a year down the line has another data-related story that they would like to tell. Um, they know who to call now mm -hmm. and feel comfortable because they have a working relationship. And at the same time, maybe that rubs off a little bit on the computer science and statistics so that they have a little bit more of a public mission, right? So if they see something in their communities, they can bring it to a newsroom and feel comfortable with that kind of dialogue. So so what, what do you want someone who's interested to uh, in participating to do. So you have somebody who's a uh, statistician, data scientist, journalist, demographer, whatever specialty. How do they plug in and what, what is it that they would do? Well, the first easiest thing is we've, we've got a website. It's a newscount, <laughs> newscounts.org, newscounts.org. And if you go there, um, there's a, a button at the very bottom of the page that says join newscounts. And so you'll, um, you'll get messages from me and or Mark and our team um, to sort of 
give other ways of, of participating. I did that uh, yesterday, so and I still okay. haven't heard from you guys. <laughs> oh, it's been a whole day. We apologize. Hey, he's, he's a tough cookie. <laughs> Um, and our, our our email our personal email addresses are on there as as well. Um, you know, I've I've been contacted by a couple of news a few newsrooms actually, and and so you know what I think we would like to do is as quickly as possible start doing some matchmaking and bringing people together. Um, so I would encourage you know the listeners, the statisticians, computer scientists, data scientists, data people of all stripes. Um, you know, let let Let's start a, a, a conversation with the newsroom in your area and, and get things rolling. Or if you have a conversation already going, let's talk about it and see what works and what was hard for you or what was easy. Because um, we're coming to this uh, as facilitators, if you will. Um, so we're coming to this uh, uh, with design process in mind, with pitch process in mind. So, you know, we're not coming in saying, these are the stories you should tell, and this is the data you should use. But we're coming more um, to listen and to help facilitate conversations so that so, so, so that something authentic can, can come from the sort of localness of it all. Right. Well, Mike and Mark, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Thanks so much for being here. Thank, thank you. And good luck with news counts. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net and be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.